How do you top that, huh? <laughs> Pretty cute stuff, I have to admit. Well, welcome to Life Church on this Mother's Day weekend. We are celebrating all women, and um, they only let me out, you know, this weekend every year. So um, sit back and enjoy, and I hope you um, laugh along with me. I went and asked my two life groups, Mama Chat and Chick Chat, if they could send me um, some information about their mamas. I said, I need you to fill in this blank for me. My mother always told me. So here are some responses I got. Amanda Coggins. My mother always told me, if you want to see the end of the driveway again, you better change your attitude. <laughs> Tammy Saban. My mother always told me, Stop crying. It only makes your eyes red and your nose run. Cindy Jans. My mother always told me, stay pure. Men will date girls like that, but they don't want to marry them. Diane Studer. My mother always told me, if you can find it better somewhere else, don't let me hold you back. Kelly Bikenich. My mother always told me, you are definitely someone because God don't make no junk. Sam Folks. My favorite one. My mother always told me, never forget, I'm just a phone call away. Today, as you honor your mom in whatever special way that you have chosen, which I hope that you're not now just going, oh no, it's Mother's Day. Call her, hug her, send her a note, let her know just how important she truly is to you. Because we all know that we didn't get here by ourselves. So, thank you moms. I have a story to tell, and I've entitled it, The Story of Aaron, a Snow Day, and a Door. It was back in February, and it was a Thursday or a Friday, and Aaron and I were talking, and he goes, I really need your help with something. He goes, I need to find a place where I can take the creative communication team so that we can go and we can plan out the spring and the summer and kind of figure out what we're doing. And I said, hmm, okay. So I thought for a second, I thought, hmm. I said, why don't you just come here to the house? You can have the house, and you can just do and just have fun all day long. And he goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'll probably go shopping if I have to. You know, I'll sacrifice myself so that you all can have the house. And he goes, you do that? And I said, yeah, I think I have it in me to do that. I can go have lunch and go shopping. He goes, great. And I said, whoa, that's done. I get to go shopping. I've had, I have a license. And he, um, we talked about it a few more minutes and then didn't think about it anymore. Monday night rolls around. We're getting ready for the next day. And I'm watching the evening news and John Malone comes on. And he is all in a panic. He is like, 
there's snow, there's snow coming, it's gonna snow, we're gonna have big snow, big snow, big snow. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's Wisconsin. Hello, and it's February. What do you expect? And I don't think any more of it. We all go to bed, get up the next morning, Aaron takes Anna to school, I'm doing my hair, and all of a sudden I hear up the stairs, and I'm like, what is going on, it's a herd of cattle. And Aaron opens the door and he goes, there's no school. Did you know they didn't have school today? And I'm like, oh, no. No, please, no. Every mother's worst nightmare. Snow day. No, now what am I going to do? My shopping's destroyed, my lunch out, my peaceful, fun-filled day. I now have to entertain two children. And thinking in my head, well, naturally, Aaron's going to have to figure somewhere else to go. And in his mind, oh, no, we're still coming here. And I'm like, well, where are you going to go? And he's like, here. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, what are we going to do? And he goes, I don't know. That's your problem. I'm like thinking some choice words in my head. I'm like, okay, well, great. So I start panicking and planning all at the same time. Okay, Anna, who had made some choices, could not be around any electronical devices. So I'm like, great, she's going to be banished to her room. Ava, who had not made any poor choices, could have the whole basement to herself. She had the TV, she had the Wii, she had the computer, she had all the toys. She was in heaven. I get it all to myself all day. I'm like, yeah, just don't destroy it. And then I was also banished to my room. But at least I have a TV, DVR, and DVD player, and my computer, and all that fun stuff. But also a pile of laundry that needed to be ironed. So we all go to our spots, and Aaron and the team come and take over the whole house. And they're laughing, and they're planning, and I'm ironing and cleaning out my closet. They all leave for lunch, so we, the girls, we all come out. We eat lunch, and then they come back, and we scurry back to our holes. And then, oh, probably about 2 o'clock, I hear up the stairs again. I'm like, good night, what is going on? opens the door again. He goes, we have got the best idea. We have just, man, this is gold. And I'm like, okay. He goes, we're going to do a series from Easter to the end of May. And it's going to be called The Door. And I'm like, okie dokie, what do you freaking do? And he's like, don't you think that's awesome? And I'm like, we're going to have doors hanging from the ceiling, and there's going to be a door on the stage. So you need to plan your Mother's Day message around a door. And I said, oh, no, I don't. And he says, yes, you do. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. So we have a friendly discussion about that. And um, as you can see, there's a door here. We have not discussed this door since that moment in our bedroom back in February. Fast forward. It's the third week of the door series, and I'm sitting here, this service, the 11 o'clock service, and I'm sitting in my little spot, and 
I know this never happens to anybody in here, but my mind starts to wander. And I'm looking at that hideously green, ugly door for the financial series, you know, and I'm thinking, man, that's an ugly green door. Whew, I hope my color's a lot prettier than that, because that is ugly. What am I going to do with that door? Man, a door. What am I supposed to say to women about a door? This is just ridiculous. And I have a God moment right there. I mean, it is like, boom. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Because what do women do with doors? We decorate them. So, you got to have a welcome mat. Every good door needs a welcome mat. Then you need something to make it a little friendly. So a little bit of flowers in a pot. So we have that. And then the piece de resistance that every door needs, a wreath. Now, doesn't that look better? Looks a lot better than just a plain old door. Now, I'm gonna talk about the door. We have doors in life. No matter your age or where you're at, there's doors that can be in your life. We tend to be fearful of them. We tend to be worried about what's on the other side. We tend to think, I'm better if I just don't know what is lying behind this door. And I say, oh no, uh-uh, embrace it. Take hold of that knob and just give it a good push. Because you know what? No matter what's on the other side of that door, the Lord is with you. He'll be there to guide you. He'll be there to hold your hand. He'll be there to give you wisdom and strength no matter what you face on the other side of that door. Don't let the doors of life intimidate you and keep you back from the great promises and plans that he has for you. Okay, now that we've decorated the door and we've discussed the door, let's move on to my message. This weekend, I have divided us women into two groups, the wallflowers and the wildflowers. Now, before you think, oh, I don't want to be a wallflower, wallflower is typical, normal, average. But to God, he looks at the wallflower and he says, there's an opportunity for me to shine. For me to be given all the glory through whatever that flower does. And then the wildflower, he looks in, we think that's free, untamed, spirited. And God says, how can I best channel that energy and that creativity to bless and to build my kingdom? So I want to talk about a couple of wallflowers and a wildflower that I found in the Word that I think that we can identify with and maybe relate to a little bit, that you can pull something out of it and apply it to your life. My first one is Anna, Wallflower Anna. And if you want to turn with me in your Bible to Luke 2, 36 through 38, we're going to read the story of Anna. I want to set it up a little bit for you. Simon and Anna are working in the temple. Simon is a very devout and righteous man, and he has heard from the Lord that he will be able to see the Messiah before he 
before he dies. And Anna has not had the life that she thought she would have, but she decided to devote herself to the temple, fasting and praying. So the story picks up. Simon, Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus are walking into the temple. Read with me. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. You have this woman who her life had not turned out the way she thought. When you get married, you have dreams and plans, and you don't expect for them to be cut short. She was widowed after seven years, so she gives herself to the temple, doing the work, fasting and praying. And at 84 years of age, in comes Simon with the Christ child, and she instantly knows this is no ordinary child. The look on Simon's face, radiating with joy and excitement. And just she just knew this is the Christ child. She takes a look at him and looks into his eyes, and she's forever changed. Her mission is now changed. She began by giving thanks to God, and then she went off and became a missionary, telling anyone and everyone that she got to meet, she got to see, she got to touch the Messiah. Jesus has come. You see, Jesus let us have this little bitty tidbit story of Anna in the Word to teach us that no matter our age, no matter our status, no matter our amount or lack thereof of wealth, we can be used by him. We have a story. We can go out. We can tell. We can touch. We can change people's lives by telling them about Jesus. What's your story? What's your interaction been that you can go out and you can proclaim his amazing, loving grace to anyone and all? Embrace who you are. Embrace where you're at in life. No matter what's going on in the circumstances that you have, you can be used by him. Do not let your age, your status, or your wealth hold you back. Let him use you in a mighty way to touch those around you. Next, I want to talk about my two wallflowers that are a mother-daughter team, Eunice and Lois. Eunice is the mother of Timothy, and her mom is Lois, and they are raising Timothy up. Paul mentions them in 2 Timothy 1.5. He says in his letter to Timothy, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Wow, can you imagine Paul writing about your faith? And we now, thousands of years later, get the benefit of that, knowing that these women had sincere faith, knowing that a man named Paul could see your great faith and write to it about your children? How awesome is that? These women 
From what we can gather, Paul and Barnabas led them to faith in Christ on their first missionary journey. In Acts 16, 1 through 5, we learn that Eunice was married to Timothy's father, but that he was not a Jew, he was a Greek. Being that Timothy was raised by this Jewish mother and by this Gentile father, he had a very unique upbringing that later turned out to be indispensable to him in his ministry. You see, Eunice and Lois were raised as Old Testament Jewish believers. They had intense knowledge of the scriptures. They knew all the signs to look for, for when the Messiah would come. So when Paul and Barnabas came and told them and explained Jesus to them, they knew it all lined up in the word and that this was the Messiah. And they raised up Timothy in this manner. Never underestimate the power you have as a grandma, as a mama, as an aunt, as a friend that you have over children. Don't think that just because you're this wallflower mom, you're stuck wiping noses and cleaning up animal crackers or that you're picking up backpacks and you're picking up kids at soccer and that you're just doing the mundane things of life as a mom that you don't have an influence over your children, that you're not teaching them and training them. What are you teaching and training them? What faith are you giving them to follow? See, God has a plan and a purpose for your kids. He gave them to you for a reason. I know there's days we think, why? But he did. He knew that you can guide them, structure, give them nurture, plan, encourage, and strengthen them up in their faith. They're not going to just get it by coming to church. You have to model it out before them. Live it out. Show them. The future of this church and the church at large is depending upon what you and I are teaching and training our children to do with their faith. Are we teaching them to sit on it or are we teaching them to live it? Wallflower Eunice raised up this godly young man, Timothy, that Paul sent out to Ephesus to pastor this church that was thousands of people large. What Timothys do we have in Life Kids today? What Timothy do you have in your home? Think about it. Plan it. Your children are God-given to you in your life. Don't think that just because you're a mom, you don't have a voice and you don't have a say. Plan teach them and train them. I cannot leave these two women without talking about the fact that Eunice was married to an unbeliever. I know there are women in this church that come here alone. I know that you get up and you get yourself ready and you get your kids ready if you have kids and you pile them in the car, and you come here, and you walk through those doors, and you're alone. And I want you to know, I'm so proud of you. And I think that takes incredible courage to do. I want you to also know that you don't have to do it alone. 
that there are two women in this church that have started a life group just for you. Amy and Lisa came to me, and they were like, we're thinking we're going to start a life group. And I said, great. What are you going to do? What's it, what's it going to be about? What are you going to study? And she goes, I think we're going to do it for women that their spouses don't go to church. And I said, perfect. You two will be perfect at this. They were nervous. They were a little apprehensive. But I'm telling you, I have watched them grow and this group. It is awesome. The encouragement, the love, the just the strength that comes out of this group of women. It's called Half and Half, and they meet on Wednesday nights, every other Wednesday night. And they are a blessing. So if you are alone, you don't have to be lonely anymore. You can join this group of women, and you can gather strength and encouragement from them. Two seemingly wallflower women just normal women that are making a difference in life church. Now I want to talk about my wildflower, wildflower Deborah. In Judges 4 and 5, the word tells us of a very powerful woman. This woman was a prophet, she was a wife, and she was a judge. She would sit underneath a palm tree, and she would give counsel and wisdom and guidance to all of Israel. They knew her to be courageous, wise, and godly. In Judges 5.12, it says that the people of Israel went to her, begging her, Awake! Awake, Deborah! Awake! Awake! For they had not had a strong, dominant ruler in Israel for some time. And Deborah, she rose up to that place. While she was judging... They had rest and peace for 40 years. See, Deborah became great because she saw a need and did something about it. What do you see? What's going on around you that you see needs some attention that you could help out in? I think we all are guilty of going, man, I wish somebody would do something about that. That needs to be fixed. Hmm, who could fix that? That needs some help. But we never look at ourselves, and we never think of ourselves as being that person that could step up to that place of leadership or step into that place and help and guide. I want to tell you to stop complaining and get out there. Get out there and let's make a difference. Let's show this world that strong women have a place and that can do great things. What mighty thing is he sitting there whispering in your ear telling you that you need to do, that you can do with his strength and with his help? In the story, it talks about how Deborah goes to one of the generals, General Barak, and she says, you need to go and fight our enemy, and God says you will win. He is with you. But Barak had some weak faith, and he was like, uh-uh, I'm not going. And she's like, oh, yes, the Lord is with you. And he goes, no, I'm not going unless you go. And she goes, okay, I will go with you. But I'm telling you, the glory will not be given to a man. It will be given to a woman. Ooh. 
Now, side note, can you imagine the teasing this man got from his peers? Ooh, Barack wouldn't go off to war without a woman. Ooh, baby Barack. You don't want to live your life like that. Stand up. Take charge. He can do great things through you if you'll let him. Let him use you. Stand tall. He's given you this ability and he's given you this strength. Take charge. Go out. He'll use you and he'll be with you in a mighty way. Deborah was a strong leader and a great wildflower. You see, I have a desire to be a little bit like all four of these women. I want to have the desire of Anna, the ability to go out, no matter my circumstance, to go out and to tell all about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. No matter my age, no matter my status, no matter my lack or abundance of wealth, I want to be able to go and tell my story. I have the desire for my girls and for all the kids at Life Church to grow up and to understand the word and to have a mighty relationship with him so that he can use them, just as Lo- Lois and Eunice did with Timothy. And I have a desire to stand up and take on whatever challenges may come my way with the God-given leadership like that of Deborah. I would like for every woman in this place to stand today. All the women, stand up. Let's give them a hand. I want to pray over you. Keep standing. I want to pray over you today. Join with me in prayer. Lord, Father God, I just thank you for the women in this place today.